right. Okay. Well, in chapters uh, 2 and 3 of the, of the book of Revelation, um, Jesus visits seven churches and he communicates uh, a very short, succinct message to each of uh, these churches. And with each uh, message, he closes um, uh, with the same words. He repeats the same words to each of these seven churches. He says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he, that is the Spirit, is saying to the churches. And so uh, to the church in Ephesus, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To the church in Smyrna, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To the church in Pergamum, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying. To the church in Thyatira, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To the church in Sardis, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To the church in Philadelphia, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. And then finally, to the church in Laodicea, Jesus said, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. When Jesus repeats something um, so often, he's obviously trying to make a point. And what Jesus is expressing um, to each of, of these churches is his deep concern that each and every church has an ear that is open to listen to the voice of God. And Jesus has an expectation that each and every um, church community should be asking them, themselves the same question. And it is, what is God saying to us? What is the Spirit of God saying to us? And so to the church at Bayview, if Jesus was standing here before us today, he would say, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit, must listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. We're doing a series uh, that is looking at the church in the city of Antioch, which was the most dynamic of all of the churches mentioned in the New Testament. And one of the reasons that it was such a healthy, uh, vibrant church is found in Acts chapter 3. And it says, Now in the church at Antioch, 
there were prophets and teachers. And one day, as they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said. You know, the church is different to every other group and organization on the planet in that the church is meant to be a theocracy. That is, we are to be led by God. I know we're a church of Christ, and I know that church of Christ um, teaching is that um, churches should be congregationally governed and everybody should have a voice. But let me just say, that's not what you find in the Bible. The church is not a democracy. The church is meant to be when it's as it should be. The church is a theocracy. We are to be led by God. The Spirit of God should be communicating with us. And we should be listening and hearing and responding. And the reason that this church in Antioch was so dynamic was its leaders heard and responded to the voice of God. Listening to the voice of God is the primary task of church leadership. We see this principle in, in Acts chapter 6. It says, But the, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Now, we don't have rumblings of discontent at Bayview, do we? I'm just over six months into the job and I'm still in honeymoon phase. Everybody still loves me and <laughs> no problems, no issues whatsoever. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all believers and they said, we apostles, we leaders, we should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And so God's message continued to spread. The numbers of believers increased greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Converted to. So when the leaders in the church in Antioch, uh, in Jerusalem, sorry, prioritized waiting on God rather than waiting on tables. The church just boomed. It thrived because the leaders were doing what leaders should do, and that is wait on God. Without the voice of the Spirit, the church will invariably be led by other things, such as good ideas, such as um, the latest fads and trends. What's Hillsong doing? 
Because if we do what Hillsong do, if we sing the songs that Hillsong sing, then Bayview will become just like Hillsong. Because it works there. Or we will be led by the loudest voices. Or we will be led by crises. We'll be running around um, putting out fires. Or we will be led by the past. Well, we've always done this at Bayview. So therefore, that's how we're going to do it in the future. The wonderful thing is that God actually invites us into the adventure of hearing and responding to his voice. Now, it would be so much easier to be led by good ideas or to be led by let somebody else do the thinking for us, find out what works for them, and let's just adopt that. Or just to be responding to crises or critics. But God invites us into this adventure of hearing his voice and responding to what it is that he calls us to do. So the big question for us then is, how do we hear the Spirit speaking? How do we hear the voice of the Spirit? If that's what Jesus called the seven churches to do, and if that was what seemed to be how the church in Antioch did things, what does that mean for us today? Well, it says that in Antioch, it says, One day, as they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, we won't worry about the fasting for the moment. We will come to that. You can relax, you can have morning tea and you can have lunch and you can have dinner. We're not going to go into the fasting, but it says, one day as they were worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said. As they were worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said. It seems to me that worship is the place from which the voice of God emanates. It's worship that attunes us to the voice of of the Spirit. So, the next question is, what is worship? Well, the word that's used throughout the New Testament for worship is a fascinating word. And it literally means to kiss like a dog licking the master's hand. To kiss like a dog licking the master's hand. If we want to become a worshipper, then we've got to become like a dog. You know, when I was, when I was a young boy um, growing up uh, in the northeast of England, um, my dad was a tailor and he used to make little um, suits for those three boys. And my parents would do the awful thing of dressing us all exactly the same. We'd have these little waistcoats and little shorts. And uh, being, being English, we'd have our socks and sandals, because that's what English people do, is they wear socks and sandals. And we'd be marched off on a Sunday morning to visit our great-grandmother. 
And we knew what would happen when we climbed. She lived in a terraced house and we'd climb up the stairs. She was a very old lady. And we were all in fear and trembling because we knew what would happen when we got to the top of the stairs. She would be sitting there in her chair waiting for her great-grandchildren to come and she couldn't wait to see us. And me and my two brothers... We were in fear and trembling because as we walked through that door, there she was. She was a rather large lady. She had facial hair. That's okay. Ladies are allowed to have facial hair, but she, she had prickly hair. She had false teeth. And she salivated. And we were required to go up to her. I was going to use... Louise is a demonstration, but I thought that's probably not very appropriate, the description I'm giving. But she would love to grab our cheeks and, and kiss us, slobber all over us. And then we'd sit there quietly during the course of the visit, and we knew we'd have to go through the same thing on the way out. That's what kissing meant to me as a young, young child. I, 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 it was just like this, the most dreadful thing in the world. As I got older, kissing took on a whole new dimension. Let me just give you some interesting facts about kissing. Do you know that most of us can recall 90% um, of the details of our very first kiss? It's interesting, isn't it? When we kiss, we trade about 80 million bacteria. <laughs> but actually, that's, not, that's actually not too bad because um, when you give someone a handshake, you exchange about 124 million bacteria. So it's, it's more hygienic to kiss than it is to shake hands. And the other exciting thing about kissing is actually burns calories and you, you burn if, if you uh, uh, kiss um, uh, for five was it five minute or oh, no per minute you burn between two and 26 calories I suppose it depends on how passionately you're kissing as to how much how many calories you burn and by comparison if you walk at a pace of five kilometers an hour you burn about five calories per minute so it's actually more physically beneficial to kiss than it is to walk. How good is that? Kissing, which is what worship is, is actually synonymous with love. It's a display of intimacy and affection. Worship is about being affectionate and about being intimate with God. It's about expressing love to God, but not just us expressing love to God, allowing God to express love to us. This is a photo of, um, of B, our dog. And B is going to teach us this morning how to become worshippers. Because... For those of us who are dog lovers, we know that um, that as an expression of love towards us, our dogs are enthusiastic. 
So I get home uh, from work and B is usually so thrilled to see me. And she'll run up, I walk in through the door and she's all over me and she wags her tail. Some, and, and Louise does exactly the same when I walk in through the door. She's <laughs> so excited, to see, she's so enthusiastic. She just kind of shakes like this. She's all over me. It's wonderful. You see, worship is actually us being passionate and enthusiastic and excited about who God is and what it is that God has done for us. The second thing that we learn from dogs is that they stare. Have you noticed that? I'll be sitting down and B might be across and she'll, I just noticed she's just looking at me. Just looking at me. And what worship is, worship is taking the time to, sometimes we need to be passionate and enthusiastic and excited, but other times worship is actually just being still and contemplating and reflecting upon God, who he is and what God has done. The other thing about dogs is they are loyal. Um, even today, when we, if we travel between Melbourne and Sydney or Newcastle where my family live, even if it's three o'clock in the morning, we, it's just a family tradition, we will go into Gundagai and we will see the dog on the Tucker Box monument. It's mad, but three o'clock in the morning, we just go to see it. We've done that since our kids were little. Whenever we were doing long distance travel, we would pull into Gundagai and we would just go and see the dog on the Tucker Box monument. The story of the dog of, on the Tucker Box is about this do dog that was loyal to um, the drover, the sheep drover, his owner, and would wait by his lunchbox till the, the, the sheep drover came back, even to the point of after the sheep drover died, this poem how out of loyalty, out of commitment, the dog just waited. And that's what worship is. It's, it's our devotion. It's our dedication. It's our commitment. It's our heart loyalty to God. And then, worship is about getting close. This morning, our dog, B as she does every morning, jumps up on our bed and then wrestles and we relent. And we, I know this sounds awful just for you non-dog lovers, but she gets under the, under the blankets and she'll press in. She'll press in. She'll push and wriggle her body as close as she possibly can so that she's touching. And that's worship. It's pressing in. It's getting close to God as we possibly can. Worship is about expressing love in the, in the kiss. It's, it's about enthusiasm. It's about contemplating and reflecting. It's about our devotion, our loyalty to God. 
It's about getting close to God. The story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, uh, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these day details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to apologize uh, to you as a church because I have been more of a Martha than a Mary. My primary job as a leader, as is demonstrated in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 6, is to wait upon God, not to wait upon tables. Circumstances and um, my, my Protestant, deeply embedded work ethic have pushed me to this place where I've moved away from what my priority ought to be. And I want to apologise to you because you don't need somebody who waits on tables. What you need is you need somebody who waits on God. That is the priority of leadership. And some things just have to be left undone from now on. Because I can't continue the pace. And the church deserves better than just a worker. The church needs a worshipper. One of the things that I am working on right now at the moment is we're in the process in the background where forming a leadership team of men and women who will worship together and listen for the voice of the Spirit. Because the future of Bayview actually depends on that. God, deliver us from good ideas. God, deliver us from fads and trends. God, deliver us from just responding to crises and to critics. God, let us be a church that hears the voice of the Spirit. If we want to be a dream church like the church in Antioch, we have to implement this. And leaders and churches are not the only ones called to worship and be attuned to the voice of God. Each of us as followers of Jesus is also invited to worship and hear the voice of the Spirit for our own lives and for our own families. And so 
Don't be a Martha. Be a Mary.